0: Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Exciting times that we're in. The Jewish community celebrated their New Year's Eve last Tuesday, uh, New Year's Day, uh, New Year, I should say, and, um, and because of that, uh, it 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 sends a huge message to the prophetic world of um, new things are afoot. One, one of the things is that um, they believing, they're saying there's a, a converging of the two calendars, the Gregorian calendar and the Hebrew calendar, and they're lining up. And because of that, uh, there is like an acceleration of some, some kingdom dynamics that we would do well to know about in terms of... And they're saying this is the... We've actually rolled into a new decade. So it's like coming out of the 60s into the 70s or the 70s into the 80s. Didn't the music change in all the decades? Well, well, this is a new decade. This is 5780 in the Hebrew calendar, 5780. And it's the year of the mouth, declaring, decreeing, expressing... Five is uh, grace. Seven is completion, but expression. And the eight is new beginnings. Eight oh, uh, eighty means uh, in the Hebrew calendar uh, is uh, pay, P-E-Y, meaning mouth. And they're saying, we've had the seeing uh, decade. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now we're going into declaring it and tasting it and doing it, stepping into all that you've believed in. Is that good news? So the prophetic world is absolutely going ballistic with this stuff that they're saying we've actually entered into almost another dispensation of grace where your dreams, the desires of your heart, will be fulfilled and you are coming to completion on the inside to to be that manifested born-again believer that has purpose and destiny and a mandate and an assignment to do what God's called you to do and that's all in the potential in the air at the moment so understand this that you don't just come into you know into days like that and it's ordinariesville it's you know we're living in this real tension of God blessing us and uh, allowing us to come alive all over again Isn't it funny? In the world, they celebrate by ignoring reality and getting blind drunk. But in the Jewish tradition, they get very uh, introspective of, of, uh, I I guess, of what they've done with their life the year previous, what they've done with their breath, with their life, with their resources. And then they go in, in the Rosh Hashanah period, the 10 days of awe, they go through this period where they say God you've got all these blessings stored up for me I want I want the I think it's Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 and the blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord the blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord and the Jews say we want that. We desire that. It's all stored up in heaven for us. And so then they go through this uh, repentance period of ten days, so that they can come to Yom Kippur, which is the day of the Day of Atonement, isn't it, uh, Garth? You should know all this. Bible college student. Ask Josh. Josh knows this. Am I uh, am I speaking right, Josh? And that was last Tuesday, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur we're celebrating with our Jewish friends because they gave us the Bible. Amen? And, uh, and we say, and Jesus was a Jew. So Father, we thank you that we're living in exciting days. Lord, I feel the atmosphere is pregnant with God and I just pray that the anointing, Lord, would just carry this word into our people's hearts. We thank you that we've been able to celebrate you, dear God, this morning with an attitude of praise and worship And Lord, I just pray, God, that this morning hearts would be shifted, people would see Jesus high and lifted up, and that they would know that the blessings are poised to come upon them and accompany them in this new year. We declare it, we declare it, and the saints say, Amen. God bless you. Uh, That's for the prophetic people, by the way. Can you give the Lord a hand clap? You're too quiet this morning. I've got so many people away. They're at weddings, they're at holidays. And uh, guys, come on! You can't be fair-weathered friends. You gotta, you gotta come. Where it's like walking into a party and there's only seven people there. Uh, and, and you brought all your food. And you go, uh, "Okay, guys. Uh, woo! Okay, let's do, let's do this." Uh, don't you love the extroverts, Lee? When when you're in a moment like that, don't you love the extroverts? They go, "Right. Ah, uh, you know, it's time to do my magic act. Time to pull a rabbit out of my hat." And, Woo! nothing up my sleeve, presto. <laughs> I got a great message this morning, and it's about due process. It's about the state of play in a spirit-filled church. My message this morning, I'm going to get straight into it. It's not a long message, but I want to, and I wasn't supposed to be preaching this morning, but by circumstance of, uh, that are unbeknownst to us, and uh, Andrew's not here. Where is Andrew? And it's probably that reason that I'm preaching. So let's pray for Andrew. He's under the weather. And uh, we bless him and anoint him. Uh, I, I just feel, too, I read the news about Japan. We bless Japan. Where's Japan in the house this morning? Stand up, Japan, and uh, stand up. Father, we bless the, the people there that, that, Lord, need your help. Intervention, Lord God. I remember the, uh, the earthquakes in Kobe. Is it Kobe, the city of Kobe? Kobe? Kobe. Oh, Kobe. Yeah. Did I get that right? Kobe? Yeah. There was a massive earthquake, 300,000 people killed. Uh, it was a very technological uh, city, very affluent, very disciplined, very together, businesses going, you know, gangbusters, lots of prosperity, uh, people didn't want to know God, didn't need God. And, uh, and then, of course, unfortunately, I think it was in 88, the earthquake devastated the place. 83? 93. Okay, 93. So 93, the earthquake decimated that city. And, um, and of course, guess what happened? Uh, six evangelists pulled their uh, ministries together and they broke up the phone books in Kobe and they prayed by name, by name, all the people that were represented in that large city. And they said, we're going to pull our resources together and we're going to do an evangelistic campaign. But before they did that, I wasn't going to share this, but before they did they came to Australia, and they asked, one of the evangelists came to Australia in a pastor's uh, prayer breakfast, about 40 pastors, and this Japanese man came up, and he kicked off his shoes, and he said, I'm here because, and he told us that they wanted to um, evangelize this city, and the Lord has challenged us that we must ask for forgiveness about things that happened in the war on both sides. And we, pastors are crying and he's asking for forgiveness and we're, you know, we're offering our sincerity and it was a powerful, powerful time. And of course they did do a big campaign there and literally thousands upon thousands of people were saved. But to your city of your heritage, we pray blessings of salvation and intervention and we pray God that you would stem that, Typhoon, I think it is a massive typhoon that you would, Lord, protect all the peoples from that typhoon, and that somehow you turn it around for good, for good, Lord, for those that love you, even the one that loves you in a whole region where there there is thousands. That Lord, you would turn that whole situation around, and Lord, you would bring good news, that you would bring care, and you would bring, uh, Lord, that that. that intervention that they supernaturally need in Jesus' name. And the saints say, Amen. Amen. Japan, got a heart for the, as you get older, your world becomes smaller and you realize, guys, Japan, they're our brothers and sisters. Uh, You know, it's just not the central coast, It's, it's the world. Go unto the world. Ah, let me begin my message. Say hi to the podcasters. Trust the slow work of God, this message is called. Trust the slow work of God. And I think this will help explain some, uh, some of the process. I, I guess the processes that happen in a spirit-filled church where you come under the sway of, of the Holy Spirit especially and God begins a good work on you and you begin to allow yourself to go on the great adventure Say hi to Thailand in the house this morning. How did Thailand uh, Connect Group go on Friday? How did. Good? Wow. How many did you have? Boom. You keep bringing these Thai people in. We love the Thai people. I've been to Thailand a couple of times and done missionary work there. And uh, we, we, bless folk. we bless you, folks. We bless you, folks. We're a, a multicultural church, so we, we just love you guys. Um, So, when you come into a Spirit-filled church, I I think there's more opportunity to begin a journey of transformation. Hello, chello, see the sign, experience God, we hope you did, through the worship. Then we hope, like even 24-7, but especially here, we pray that you'd begin to transform like a caterpillar struggling out of the cocoon, you find your wings and you begin to express the God colors, your personality, your God nature and your purpose unto the Lord, amen? And you begin to fly and you begin to give him all the glory as you do that. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what transformation is. Is about it's real, it's powerful. I can attest to it, it can be your portion if you want it, or you can just close the door to it and keep coming to church and dutifully knowing God and you know, even loving God. But there's no adventure in that. Uh, Phil Cairns, Wild at Heart, help me. One of the themes, uh, first theme, help me. More men are born for a battle second battle to fight, second theme, I hope I haven't forgotten this, men are born for adventure, adventure to live. John Eldridge, the psychologist, saying even the women, I noted in the book, even the women are born for adventure. You mean they don't mind getting woken up in the morning and and we say, hey, actually we're not going to do breakfast at home this morning, we're going to a cafe, a lovely cafe. You mean to say they love that sort of stuff? Yeah, right. So, you owe me, women. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. And three, we're, we're, we're born to rescue a beauty. Rescue the damsel in distress, the beauty. Now, for me, that is the church. The church is the bride. So, that's my prophetic interpretation of that. So, Father God, we thank you for that. All right, let me get into this, the trust, the slow work of God. Are you ready? You ready this morning? You got your Bibles? All right. I love this prayer. I came across it recently, and excuse the French, Pierre Teilhard de Chadin. <laughs> bon appétit. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> Sorry, God. <Garth. laughs> Thank you, God. God did a couple of lessons in French, and uh, he feels really chuffed. He, he could say that better, I bet. I, I think this prayer the uh, prayer that I'm about to read, it really spoke about my life and a lot of your lives, and, and, I, and I, I think it will bless us. And I think it will bless us in understanding the journey that, that we're all on in trusting God in the slow process. Say, trusting God in the slow process. Now, this man, I've got to qualify him, otherwise you just think he's just some person named Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, Born 1881 to 19, 19, did I say that? Chinese. <laughs> Chinese 1950. Sorry, Pierre. 1881, he was born to 1955. Was a French Jesuit priest, uh, theologian, and I'm not sure what this. helped me with this, guys. Uh, Paleontologist. Pal- what is that? Digs up dinosaurs. Uh, digs up dinosaurs. That's, that's Charlie right there. That's what Charlie's going to be. He knows all the China, all, all the China. He knows all the dinosaur names. So in his prolific writings, he tried to integrate theology, science, spirituality, his mystical version of the world. It, it states here, uh, which considered matter and spirit a unified reality, has captured the imagination of believers for decades. All right. Um, Above all, trust in the slow work of God. This poem, uh, but prayer, goes like this. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. But let me just say, I'm talking about your spiritual life, but uh, about your whole life too. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the immediate stages We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability. And that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you, your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow, let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time, that is to say, grace and circumstances acting on your own good will will make you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Amen. So, I, I want to talk about waiting on the Lord and, and, and understanding due process basically, the process of growing your character, your spiritual life. And you um, got the photo of the before. That's the before of our church property. That's the driveway you drove through this morning. That's that's the church property, the driveway. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, okay, the after the after effect after due process, and uh, give the Lord a hand clap. <laughs> <clears throat> I've just showed a picture for the, the podcasters at the before and after photo of our 11 acres of land, which was just a paddock, rickety old fence around it, two horses, stables, um, long grass. And, uh, and of course, uh, the, the fruit of being patient with due process, finally reclaiming this land, redeeming it and uh, reshaping it and uh, architecturally redesigning it to allow the occupation of God's people to worship God, create an altar, shelter, and, uh, you know, and, and and look at us go. You notice the gardens? We've got a good team, the, the work for the doll guys down there, and uh, we love to dignify them. And one of the things I love to see with the work for the doll guys is that, we dignify them and say, Look, guys, anything you do for this property, there's a guy called Bill that really appreciates it because he's a hard worker. And anything, you, what, they take notice? I, absolutely, they take notice. And I said, Every plant, every blade of grass you mow, we appreciate it. And it sparks them up to give them dignity Lee, to give them some sense of purpose of what they're doing because they come here, oh, why should we help? Ah, oh, the church, who cares? And all of a sudden, we've got eight guys that come here every day just doing their darndest to help us uh, keep this property maintenance. And the men said, the men said, Frank said, the world is full of change, technological change. Keeping pace with man's inventiveness is amazing. It's, it's hard to do, isn't it, guys? But so is God's. Opportunities, so is God's opportunities to change too. It's hard. It's hard to navigate. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to navigate the change and it does take patience. Amen. So uh, that's what I want to talk about how to do change in a healthy way. Can I do that? I, I want to talk about how to navigate this change because ultimately I want you to be able to minister to others that might come to this church or might encounter God. And did I tell you my young, Jaden got, Jaden, stand up, good buddy. Ballina, stand up. Did you get saved last Sunday? Did you give your life to the Lord? You did, didn't you? And man, this morning, you look different, buddy. I, I think it's okay to say you lost your dad at age, seven years of age, and, um, and uh, you're living at Ballina, and you got your uncle, Lee, is Lee your uncle, And uh, he invited you down to the coast and that was a God ideally because he ended up just over here, uh, Jeff, giving his life to the Lord. And uh, boom, the lights come on and I can see the lights are on in your soul. And the Lord loves you, he's got a great destiny for you and there's real purpose on the inside of you. You've got a beautiful heart, got a beautiful heart. And that heart, God's going to shape it, mold it, and, and, and you're going to be a voice for the Lord. You're going, to be a, a, you're going to be a voice, an expression, a witness for God in some way. You might even be a famous footballer, but you're going to be like, but football's not my God. Jesus is my God. You might be a famous guitarist one day, but you're going to say, music's not my God, but Jesus is my God. I don't know how he's going to do it, but you're going to give him glory through your very life. And that's your chief aim of life, to give him glory. Amen. Give him a hand clap. Woo! I love that. So God's doing stuff. So despite the change that we're offered, few of us are able to navigate it, you know, in a healthy way. I want to talk about that. We dislike transition. So I'm talking about transition. Transition is an adventure. Who loves the adventure of the unknown? Who loves just... I love that bushwalk we did, 17 Ks, um, with the wild at heart man. And I didn't know where I was going, but we sort of did. But I didn't. I hadn't been there before, and it was awesome. Um, Change provokes our hearts because it challenges the status quo. Would that be right? It makes us feel uneasy and vulnerable because it takes us into territory that we've never been before. In fact, we're happy to talk about Abraham leaving Ur and going on an adventure to some place he doesn't know where he's going. We're happy to talk about Abraham. He left his hometown by faith and began a pilgrimage in following God. On this great adventure. We're happy to talk about that. But are we happy to do that ourselves? Amen. It makes us feel uneasy. I'm talking to the men doing the wild at heart. I'm talking to anyone where the Lord is doing a good work on your heart. Where you just feel vulnerable. You feel as though, oh my goodness. Let's put up some of those real, uh, those Wild at Heart. This is some of the adventure that our Wild at Heart men have been on. And if you do the Wild at Heart, I salute you. You And some, can I just say, man to man, some of you dodging and weaving that program, you know, and uh, you know that you're in for an adventure and you know it's going to make you vulnerable and you know that in your vulnerableness, that there could be a risk of, you know. If a man is ever to find out who he is, John Eldridge says, now this guy is a pastor, he's a psychologist, he's he's an amazing man of God, trust me. We sat under his ministry at Stanwell Tops. If a man is ever to find out where he is and what he is here for, he has got to take that journey for himself. He has got to get his heart back. The premise of, Jules, the premise is man's heart has been emasculated by modern society, that we've been domesticated. Domesticated. I could use some other terms, but I won't, to do with the anatomy of a man. I won't go there. But, um, so one of the things the wild at heart does, it gives back the masculinity of a man's heart. That is, that is... That is understood to be made in the image of God. Amen? Made in the image of God. God's given us that masculine heart. And the world does a boss job on, on us through its social conditioning. And we, that's, that's exactly what we've got to be careful of. Is there another one? Did I have another one? There is something else I am after out here in the wild. I'm searching for an even more elusive praise. Something that can only be found through the help of wilderness. I am looking I am looking for my heart. That could be for the women too, absolutely. That's for the women too. They're looking for their heart. Men, uh, you need to protect your woman's heart. You need to fight for your woman's heart. It's a precious heart. And so I'll leave you with that. Every change involves a letting go of one thing to reach out for what is next... It's a little bit like the Christian life is a little bit like death by installments. Say, death by installments. Do you want, a, do you want an installment plan or do you want to... You, you can just take it right now if you want. You can, man, some people just come straight down the altar and boom. No, I don't want 24 months interest free. Uh, I, I want it now and I want it right now. Boom. And they go down. Whew, and it's quite dramatic. And people get delivered. Are you into deliverance? People being delivered. Jesus' ministry, of course, I'm talking about. And that can happen if you want. I mean, but it's usually a slow process of people deliberately trading off their stuff and receiving the the, the beauty for ashes, amen? It's a slow death of mindsets or attitudes, perceptions, allowing us to come to new... um, Attitudes. Call them Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. These are attitudes. Blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For they will see God. Amen? Trust is a fundamental part of the Christian faith. We've been saying that and, um, and I think it's a worthy devotion to keep doing. Keep doing that devotions about trusting God because through the word and the spirit, you will encounter God and you will be given permission or privilege to, to change. That's how God, you take in that word and God performs his word. If you don't take breakfast and if you don't take your your, your meal in, God, I mean, your body can't do a work on that meal and perform and, and create energy and create health. You need to take the word in and take the spirit in. And I should have said, I should have backed it up by saying, strength does not come from winning, your struggles develop your strength. And patience is a gift. Who can say amen to that? Waiting isn't a curse. It's a blessing. Patience is a gift from God. When you patiently wait on the Lord, you access him. God hears the prayers of those who patiently wait for him. When you wait on the Lord, he will rescue you. When you wait on the Lord, he will deliver you to safety. When you wait patiently on the Lord through the worship, your worship will go to another level, amen? When you wait patiently on on the Lord, people will see it and be amazed. They will see you, you being patient through your trial of life. Hold that pattern. Hold that, hold that pattern of waiting patiently. And people will see it and they will say, oh my goodness. They're God. He is glorious. He did meet their need. Look at this scripture. It says in Psalm 40, verse 1 to 4, Psalms 40, verse 1 and 4. I wait patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. You know when I got to that, I don't know what happened. When I read this scripture, the mud and the mire, and I'm reading this scripture with all sincerity, and I'm saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. I, I honestly believe God gave me a gift of patience. I think it was to do with my upbringing, because in the 60s, You couldn't just buy stuff and have it in an instant. Is that right? I saw my parents wait and wait for things to be manifested in their life. I I didn't see any new spectacular houses being built in my street. I saw migrants living out of fruit boxes. The Russians, the immigrants... Uh, the Yugoslavians, they were all in my street. They were living in hovels. They were living in fruit boxes. One Russian family were living in fruit boxes they'd put together. And they were building each other's houses. Sharing each other's tools. As a, a young kid, I'm watching this. And I'm seeing how things are built through normal time. The course of time. Not the instant gratification world that we live in now. Can I just, just going off my notes, can I just, um, I read an interesting article about raising kids. And about the propensity not to allow your child to get bored. And by putting a phone in their hand, or a TV in their face, or doing something, let the child get bored. Let the child ponder and imagine about things other than what's been presented to them. Can I just say even something more dramatic? that they're finding learning difficulties at school because they're unable to appropriate their teachers' lessons because they don't know how to process in real time. And can I say something on an adult level? If you keep bombarding yourself with stuff, it beats down your little feelers that allow you to feel good about yourself, to feel healthy in your mind. It actually can cause depression. It's little feelers that get off on the sunset. Little feelers that get off on waking up in the morning and, and sniffing the coffee. It's little feelers that love Australia. It's little feelers that love the beach and love the sunset. These little feelers. But am I doing this good? We've got to get live technology yeah, it's the little thing is when, when Evan says something funny, oh that's awesome, man. When the feelers get big dinner, it's go, Yeah, so what? Oh the says, seen one before. Oh yeah. Baked dinner, who cares? Oh, that's my wife. Oh. Again. Sorry, but I had to go there. That's my grandfather files right there. Is that right? Is that right? Get that phone off them. Hey, not two-year-old kids shouldn't be on an iPhone. Wait patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put me in a new song in my mouth, because I've been waiting patiently. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to other false gods? God is about wanting us to change. Change. The process of transition is relational. All right, let's skip through these. The process of transition is relational. Our relationships change when you get born. Jaden, listen to me, buddy. You're saved now. Some of your relationships will change. You will somehow end up around maybe Christians at your school. You will end up in a church, I hope. And then you will want to navigate life, do life, through a different set of friends. You will see these other friends that are living another lifestyle, maybe you know, a lifestyle that's dangerous, you'll say, no, thank you. I need to be hanging with these people. So transition, do you know what transition is? Tra- Good stuff, Jaden. You're my man. Are you joining this church or are you going back to Ballina? Man, need a guy like you in our youth group. Josh, we need this guy. We need to sign him up. $100 a year. <laughs> we'll pay his, pay his train fare down here and set him up and the process of transition is relational. Our relationships change. We've got to go out of our comfort zone. Transition transition is about the journey of relationships as much as anything else. Learning to trust, to be open, to be honest, to understand. This is what people go through when they first join the church. They're having to learn how to be open and honest, to understand and be understood, to accept and to approve, and in turn find acceptance and approval. These this is this is a, a, a tough navigation. Transition is about connecting with one another as we draw the roadmap of life in the spirit together and begin this pilgrimage unto the Lord together. Amen. It is about connecting through the fears and the concerns, dreams and aspirations, joys and delights, dislikes and annoyances. And uh, did I say annoyances? Yeah. Of course there's going to be people in the house that annoy you. Of course there's going to be people that that, that you know that you dislike that they may, may even dislike i don't know but whenever we hide part of ourselves for fear of discovery we disconnect or fail to connect with people at that point so the more you protect yourself like that you begin to disconnect from people is that true process involves crisis it's a crisis of faith transition usually throws us together in circumstances that are less far less ideal. Transition involves a crisis, a crisis of faith because we're going into uncharted territory. In your renewal and deliverance and in healing, you're going somewhere where it's uncharted. Process is primarily internal. If you have no internal frame of reference, we lash out. Under pressure externally, other people are at fault because this or that didn't happen. We relate through function. We get angry and frustrated and look for a way out of this physical and emotional level. The inner man understands the danger, but also recognizes the opportunity that God is presenting. This is speaking to someone. Those living from the inner realm see beyond the natural into the realm of the Spirit. So they wait patiently and with praise and honor for the Lord Jesus to reveal Himself. We have a conflict of two natures within us. The Spirit versus the flesh. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Our soul and our carnal nature, our flesh, interact together. Our soul, as you know, is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, which can draw us inward to our spirit man, our mind Our will, our emotions can draw us inward to our spirit man or outward to our external perspective through relationships, circumstances, and influences. The external perspective with no inward support will be the vehicle through which worry, fear, anger, bitterness, and rejection can take hold of our hearts. We will be agitated, vexing, and difficult to live with. Trust me, I've lived through all this through Julie's G- through healing, and it wasn't overnight, it was decades. Is that all right to say, Julie? And she's lived through my stuff. It's <laughs> vexing. It's difficult. <laughs> it can be sorted. It can be navigated through the word and spirit. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Did you hear that? So although our outward man is crumbling under the assault of life and circumstances, our inward man retains a balance, a poise before God. I love this stuff. Which brings a constant renewal. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart. Can I hear an Amen. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. Can I hear the word renewed? Day by day. For our light and momentary troubles in achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Process releases potential. You ready for this? I'm taking you through due process of God, healing you, delivering you, sanctifying you, however you wanna say it. And I'm giving you the heads up, how to navigate this foreign territory, this this journey you've never been on before. Process releases potential, write that down process releases potential. A prophet looks for the treasure of the earthen vessel and brings it to the surface, just as Pastor Julie preaches and teaches in a prophetic school. We are on a treasure hunt, seeing people with the eyes of the Lord Jesus. When those work for the dull guys turn up, I'm not going, oh, gee whiz, what are we going to do with this guy? He's obviously on drugs. He obviously doesn't want to work. But I walk up, that's, my flesh is saying that. Oh my goodness, okay, here we go. What's your name, buddy? Bill, uh, not Bill, sorry, I shouldn't use Bill's name. Ron, there's no Rons in the house. Ron, okay, Ron, do you know where you're at? That's what the first thing I like to say, do you know where you're at? Do you know what this building is above you? They're usually standing under here. I said, yeah, I think so. No, it's a Christian church, faith, hope and love, easy. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, lots of young families, lots of kids, oh, okay, yeah, all right. So, do you know what this land's about? I said, it belongs to God. Oh, okay. So, don't you own it? No, not really. God owns it. Whoa, okay. So, anything you do on the land, God's really pleased. He's smiling on you. Whoa, okay. Didn't think of it like that. And who are you? What's your name? Ron. Yeah, man. Boy, appreciate you coming. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, he's. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. The program sent me here. Yeah, good man. We're so happy. What can you do? What, what sort of skills you, you set you got? Yeah, great. All right. Awesome. And he, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. His whole demeanor changed. Why? Because I'm dignifying him, like Jesus did with all the scallywags that he encountered. You prod the flesh, it will bite you, my friend. You go, man, couldn't you wear something better than that? Didn't you know you're supposed to be wearing work boots? How can you do any work like that in those sand shoes? And man, where's your PB equipment? And No, friend, I'm looking for the gold in you. I'm looking for the gold. I'm looking for the potential in you. Can you push a mower? Yeah, I can do that. Awesome. Let's start there. I can paint too, awesome. We need painting done. Looking for the potential. God always speaks to our potential. Gideon was alone, frightened and angry and disillusioned. He had lots of questions, reservations and tremendously low self-esteem. When God comes on the scene, he was hiding away, making bread in a wine press, just like you do when you get depressed. There were so many things the Lord could have said. He could have ministered deliverance or rebuked him for his lifestyle and attitude. Instead, the Lord spoke warmly to him and said, Hello, Gideon. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Judges 6.12 God spoke to the nobleness of Gideon, and it rose up within him. Can you say amen? We speak to the spirit of a person, not the flesh of a person. Speak to the potential. Three stages of transition. Lastly, three stages in a couple of moments. The three stages are closure, conversion, and commissioning. A bit like Moses, I'll explain. In closure, God brings us the past to an end. He closes the door on the enemy, hurts, wounds, poor decision-making previously, and He closes the door. This involves forgiving, And forgetting on his part and our part, which sets us free to pursue with a clear conscience God and our new potential. Two is the conversion stage, experiencing, to experience in which we undergo significant transformation of heart. There's a conversion. We've come out of Egypt, we've crossed the Red Sea, we wanted to get out of the clutches of Pharaoh, we wanted to get out of the clutches of Satan, but now we're in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, like Moses, there's desert training. God's sorting our heart out if we really do wanna go further and go into that promised land to take on those battles, to take on those giants, if you will, and to follow Joshua. Joshua means Jesus, means deliverer. Joshua means, are we prepared to go into the fullness of our conversion. Of our conversion. If we are, if we end up in that promised land of our salvation, of our conversion, it's then where we are commissioned, like Moses. Moses was commissioned by the burning bush experience. And then the birthing of your ministry, the birthing of your potential, the birth, Lee, the birthing of the, the Lee that has been. The closure absolutely closed the door on the enemy that was chasing you down, causing you dismay. Devils and demons, negative words, generational curses. I don't know what they are, but there's a closure. Christianity is a unique thing. It starts with a closed door. Jesus said, it is finished. And if you look in the book of Romans 6, 7, 8, that is the whole deal, that we're baptized into Christ. That flesh nature has been dealt with those curses have been dealt with that are chasing you down. Jesus paid for that. Now the battle, your soul and your spirit, they've got a tussle. Are we going to go through this? Are we going to be totally converted? Yeah, I, I want out of Egypt, but I'm happy to be in the wilderness. I'm happy to be just in the world and in the, in the wilderness and not doing much for God, but God wants you to be transformed. God wants you to be fully immersed in Christ Jesus. Death and buried, that sin. Sin, death and buried. And he wants you to be commissioned. Moses, I want you to go to my people and declare, set my people free. Let my people go. That's the commissioning. That's exactly what happened to me. Though I was saved in 1985, I'm, I may have been in the wilderness almost from 85 to 93. And in 93, although I was, we, we had a beautiful family coming to church every Sunday, I was going to work. We were the, you'd look at our family, it was the perfect family. Everyone in this large church were attending. You guys are so, wow, how do you have such good kids? Man look you've got such a wonderful husband you've got such a wonderful wife you've got such a wonderful home you've got but you know what God had more for us boom 93 encounter with God burning bush experience call it what you will I was converted to my calling to my ministry the caterpillar had come out Phil's so shy he doesn't say much does he oh he's a lovely guy but Julie you're awesome man on stage you speak so well in your dance school from 88 to 96 Julie had a, a Christian dance school doing all this great ministry and Phil's just dutifully pushing a pram and working all the days of his life But in 93, the caterpillar was coming out of the cocoon. tied to that pram he's not supposed to be doing that What's he, he's praying out loud he, he's playing guitar in, in, the, in the connect groups he's, he's being a ball witness he's showing colours I've never seen before I'd gone through a process of healing, restoration, doors closing. And I was commissioned. Commissioned to be the man of God that I am today. Friend, can I just tell you, that's the sort of church you're in. We're trying to get you out of the wilderness. We know you're saved. We're trying to get you out of the wilderness. Healed, set free. Spirit filled, desert training. What was the desert for for the Israelites? To hear God again, to fight, to learn to fight again. Because they they stopped. They they didn't know how to fight anymore. They were slaves. They, they didn't know how to fight. They didn't know how to surf anymore. How to fight anymore, man? They they lost it. Imagine not having a surfboard for four hundred years, and leave we sent you out with a surfboard. Would you be able to surf? And they had to learn how to be a nation. Like we have to be a church. I don't want to, I'm pushing back. It's hard. It's, yeah, process is relational. Do you find that, Garth, in the church? It's all. It's very easy to sit in the chair and navigate God. But friend, you can do it. I believe in you. Father, right now, I just pray that dear God in heaven, that we would be able to navigate the process, the transition of us coming out like caterpillars out of the cocoon. If that message spoke to you, just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. We're done. Just lift your hand if that message spoke to you about waiting on God and that you're going to be a testimony because you've waited on God. You're going to be a witness to many because you waited on God. If that's you, just, just lift your hand just right now where you are and Let heaven see that hand. That's good, guys. Father God, we don't want to stop short of the promised land. We don't want to stop short of us being commissioned into the work of God you've got for us. We don't want to get ugly and, and walk out of you, walk out of the church and walk out of the due process and push back and blame people and be argumentative and... We're willing to take the heat of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Your Holy Spirit was sent to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Holy Spirit, I want you around my life. I want you to lead me in, lead me by the greatest adventure of my life into my spiritual development. Dear God in heaven, right now, I pray that Lord God, as the door, As you said in your word that I am baptized under Christ, my sin has been dealt with, my flesh has been dealt with, and I walk out into this new day of conversion. And Lord, I stand up in this new day of conversion and I become accountable to my life and to you. And as I do, Lord God, you select me, you choose me for a day of reckoning where you commissioned me for the good work that you have for me, dear God. And I pray this, and I ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, might be, might be awake, guys, but you'll get there. Did that speak to someone? Did that message speak to someone? Yeah, let's say this prayer. Father God, I believe that you are the Lord of life. You are the giver of life. You are God of the universe. You've sent me to this earth to know you, to walk with you, to love you, to worship you, and to glorify you with my life. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of all my sin? Wash me clean, set me free, come to live in my heart. Lord, empower me with your Spirit, anoint me to live the great adventure. my life being recovered redeemed, healed restored renewed set on fire for God Jesus let me let me just open the door ajar a little bit more and let you come in stand at the door and knock, Lord. I want to let you into more of my life. I want to let you into areas of my life that need healing, that need forgiveness, that needs beauty for ashes. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to lead me, guide me all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, my friend. Holy Spirit, empower me to pray, to read my Bible, to worship God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 telgraphorgau We hope to see you at church soon.